Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com. Giants reporter. And we're here entering the last preseason game. I'm taping this on Thursday afternoon, right after the Giants-Jets uh, joint practice. So really there's going to be a bunch about what I saw from the Giants in this practice, which really was pretty encouraging. Now there's some things to worry about. CB2, uh, the health of the outside linebackers. We'll get to that in a few minutes. This episode, though, we're going to get later on to – we're going to talk to one of the biggest Daniel Jones backers out there. Granted, it's a small crew at this point entering the season. I'm on that list as well. It's all relative, of course, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. In the meantime, let's talk about some of the biggest topics for the Giants. Number one, I think you have to start with, the offense has looked significantly better the last you know, probably couple weeks. Uh, Daniel Jones went 14 of 15 against the Jets' defense. Now, granted, there was at least two or three times where he would have been sacked on those plays. So I know you have to take out a couple of those plays that look good. But still, uh, I mean, they're moving the ball. They just look a lot more in sync. David Sills was incredible in his joint practice with the Jets. Caught six passes in live 11 and 11 drills. Let me tell you. Six passes in 11-11 drills when Daniel Jones threw 15 passes. So basically that's like a half of football, right? Say a quarterback throws about 30 times. So that's like a 12-catch day. So that's the kind of afternoon that David Sills has. And it's especially notable because it comes the day after Colin Johnson was lost for the season. Now, the Giants loved Colin Johnson. The dude had a chance to maybe start opposite Kenny Galladay, you know, on the outside, especially they love his run blocking. If Kadarius Toney wasn't healthy week one, like it was clearly in the range of outcomes. Now David Sills kind of ends up in that role. You know, the bigger, taller receiver blocks well, has a connection with Daniel Jones. They're super close. They're super tight. There's no doubt about that. So there's clearly something working between Jones and Sills there. Now, I'm not sure how good David Sills ultimately is when he's had his opportunities in the past. He, I almost look at him and he's like a quad A player, like for baseball, right? He's too good for triple A, but when he actually gets the call up to the big leagues, is, is he good enough? We'll have to wait and see. But it looks like, and Brian Dable made a comment this week that stood out to me. This was before Colin Johnson got hurt. That not only are Colin Johnson and David Sills making a push to make the roster, they're making a push to play for significant playing time. And with the uncertainty of Kadarius Toney, we'll get to him in a few minutes. I mean, you just, I mean, he hasn't been on the field again. When he tries, he does some a little light drills. He's grabbing at his hamstring. He's just limited in practice these days. When are we going to see him? I don't know how you can trust him significantly at this point. I really don't. And let me just tell you a quick Kadarius Toney story, right? So... He's trying to practice. He's grabbing at his hamstring. He's leaping up. He's clearly not comfortable. Whatever they're running, they do conditioning later on in practice. You know, he sits. He, first of all, he's sitting down like the whole rest of the time, kneeling, doing nothing. They do some conditioning. He starts jogging. You hear Brian Dable yelling, and I'm going to leave the expletives out of this. To get your helmet, put your helmet on, and you look. And who's the one guy without their helmet? Kadarius Tony. So as he's running, he has to go past the end line to get his helmet, just like an extra five yards, gets his helmet, and he's like jogging so nonchalantly. He's literally finishing behind the biggest lineman 
offensive and defensive linemen. And it just go, it, that just exemplifies what you get from him on a daily basis. It just seems it, – it's just so hard to believe that you can fully trust him. And I don't know – and I don't think this this new regime does. And we're going to see how much patience they have with him. They want him to play. They want him to be good. But we'll see what that ultimately turns out to be. Because uh, unless he's on the field, this his talent just means nothing. Really, nothing. Now, I mentioned Daniel Jones, significantly more comfortable. 77% of passes he's completing in the preseason. Completed 14 of 15 in the joint practice. I don't care if some of those were sacks or not. Like, that, a sack, first of all, most of them aren't. It wouldn't be his fault. It's just, you know, the pass breakdown, pass protection broke down. But he still has to go and complete the play, and he did it. So 14 of 15 is really good. 77% in game action in two preseason games. Again, really good. So I think finally this offense seems to be moving in the right direction. Again, the biggest problem I have with the offense and the team in general is the depth. And, like, what are they going to look like if they have some injuries? And you see it right now. Like, wide receivers, the one position, maybe they at least have some guys that they could fill in there. Sterling Shepard came back recently. He looked good running routes. Uh you know, they have Sills, they have Tony, they have Galladay. I know Galladay also brings his own questions into the equation as well. But still, C.J. Board is a guy that the team uh, likes and trusts. Um, so, Evan Neal, I mean, like, a little up and down for a rookie. I've been talking about it again in this joint practice, some up and downs, especially in one-on-ones, watching him uh, pass, try to pass protect. It's a little concerning entering the season, but I have, you know, I, I put videos up sporadically on Instagram, and I had a former offensive, NFL offensive lineman text me. He's going to, like, he's looking at these videos that over, you know, collection of the past month or so, and he likes what he's seen from Evan Neal. He thinks he just has to get his hands and his punch right, that his feet are generally in the right spot. And, the, in the, you know, so if he gets, when when he gets the hands and punch right, He'll be fine. He, he sees a lot of positives in what he's doing. CB2, Aaron Robinson, remains the concern. He got beat by Garrett Wilson, juke pretty badly from what I heard uh, from our Rich Samini, who's uh, my cohort, who co- cohort that covers the Jets. So he said, you know, Wilson kind of left him in the dust pretty good. Uh, and that, look, it's just one play, but it adds to the concerns that we already had about Aaron Robinson, I haven't seen much in training camp that tells me Aaron Robinson can be trusted as a full-time starting cornerback. And now you're adding the Giants have injury concerns at outside linebacker, right? Because we know Kayvon Thibodeau is injured. He's going to be out a while. By the way, makes no sense, zero sense in the world to have Kayvon Thibodeau rushing back for week one, right? He's going to be out three to four weeks was the estimated timeline. The opener from that date was exactly three weeks like there's no reason to rush him you need there's a way longer view uh thought process you need to have with your number five overall pick than making sure he's back for the first game of his career if he plays 15 games and starts in first game is week three that's fine look you're looking for 10 years from this guy five years from this guy six years eight years from this guy you don't the, the first couple games of his career 
are not important to get him back there and potentially compromise his entire rookie year. So to me, you take your time with Kayvon Thibodeau. He has a sprained MCL in his right knee. Take your time with that. Don't rush it. But now Aziz Ojolari, he left Thursday's practice limping off during sprints. Now, I don't know exactly what's wrong with him. It sounds like some sort of leg injury or leg problem. But considering he also had a hamstring injury during training camp, it's something that we absolutely have to monitor. So we'll see how that goes moving forward because that's both their starting outside linebackers. You take them out of the mix. Now you have O'Shane Zimenez, uh, uh, Fox, who's a rookie. I'm drawing a blank on his first name actually at this point, and uh, Quincy Roche. Ellerson Smith's hurt as well. So they have no depth there. They don't have much. You're probably going to see Cam Brown be moved back to that spot, at least for a little bit in the meantime. Uh, Tomon Fox is his name. I just I just thought of it. I knew it started with a T. He's a rookie undrafted guy from out of North Carolina. The Giants staff actually does like him. But still, you're pretty short. If you're going into your opener, let's say Ezejo Jalari is injured or dealing with some sort of leg injury and is somewhat compromised. I mean, Quincy Roche, Tomon Fox, and O'Shane Zimenez. How's that sound to you? Especially when you're trying to hide deficiencies on the back end. That scares the living bejesus out of me. Now, let me say this, because I'm taping this right after the joint practice, the Jets and Giants, and uh, both Robert Sala and Coach Brian Dable said that they want to make this a thing. They want to make this basically an annual thing, a regular thing. They want to make a habit out of it, is what Sala said. And that's great. And I like that, because in a way, there is no – the two teams play in the same – I should say, I don't know, city, state. Let's say state. They play in the same state. They play in the same area. There's no rivalry at this point between these two teams. So it would be nice to get to the point again where there is some sort of rivalry. Granted, what, these teams have to get decent, and that's been the biggest problem. They stink lately. They're, the two, they're tied for the worst record over the last five years. The Jets and the Giants have the worst records in the NFL over the last five years. So it's sort of like a race to see who gets healthier first almost to a degree. Now, we'll see how that turns out, uh, but, um, you know, who knows? Who knows? I, I, you can make the argument either way. We're pretty unsure about both teams' quarterbacks, so until somebody figures that out, you know, it still remains a race. We don't know who's going to win that race. Now, the team who gets that quarterback first is, is probably the one that wins the race, so let's – Let's see how this plays out. The Jets are waiting for Zach Wilson. He's obviously injured now. See what they have with him. The Giants are trying to get something out of Daniel Jones before looking at the next option. So with that being said about Daniel Jones, on to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Okay, we're going to bring on a guest here who is probably one of the lone people remaining on the Daniel Jones bandwagon. Mina Kimes, welcome. That's a little strong. Let me let me <laughs> preface this. Let me preface this by saying: so last year, I literally was driving the Jones bandwagon heading into the year, and at this point, I'm like hanging on by like, you know, the edge of one of my fingers. So when I say you you are one of the last people on the bandwagon, you are maybe you have like two fingers, right? So because mm. I because yeah, it's hard to find fair. people that are totally totally you know buying in at this point. So, but I heard you on NFL Live, right? Uh, and it was about as strong an endorsement as you can make for Daniel Jones at this point because. Let's be honest, he hasn't really shown it consistently on the field now, and we're in year four. So I want to know, what is it that you're seeing that has you at least somewhat, uh, I wouldn't say optimistic, but you know, mm. uh, somewhat, make it somewhat believable to you that he, he can break out this year and be the guy that, you know, obviously the Giants thought he might be when they drafted him? I think it's more what I'm not seeing, which is, or wasn't seeing, rather, which was open receivers, <laughs> right. friendly offensive scheme and offensive line that gave him time. Um, so I, I, you know, I would say I'm not so much on the Daniel Jones bandwagon as I was last year on the "it's impossible to evaluate this player" wagon. Is that right. is that a wagon that exists? I don't know. Um, yeah, we can make up any wagons we want here. You know that, right? As far as positives go, you know, he dramatically outperformed, has outperformed my expectations of him um around draft time i was pretty hard on that pick and i think um obviously you know probably hasn't lived up to his status definitely and i know there's a lot of frustrations with some of the mistakes decision making whatnot fumbles and all that and the sort of um at times struggles with pressure but i also think you know he has flashed obviously athleticism um accuracy throwing downfield at times he's tough look i don't think he is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think he's right. above average, but I do think um, he has been dealt a pretty tough hand. So I'm excited to see what happens this year. So what do you think then? So obviously you're a big believer in Brian Dable and the offense. Yes. Helping him out at least the very least, you know, it'll make him look competent, right. And have, have a chance. Uh, in what ways do you think it can help him? Like how can Daniel Jones benefit from Brian Dable and his offense and sort of help, resuscitate his career here yeah, well there are a lot of things that dable can do to make life easier for him you know obviously i think you're going to see more pre-snap motion clearing up the picture for jones uh creating some lanes for the running backs as well keeping defenses on tilt a little bit with some misdirection more play action i think um he's pretty good at you know getting the most out of his playmakers i mean that's kind of what he did in buffalo i know giants fans right. are probably don't like the or sick of the oh well, if he did it for Josh Allen 
comparison. Maybe they yeah, don't. They don't, they do don't like, like when I use that Jersey Josh okay. Allen line. They, yeah, they, that's not that's not one of their favorites. Oh, but <laughs> but my point is like if they get seventy percent of Josh Allen, would they be happy? Well, right? Yeah. The, the, Isn't well, that the point? Yeah, I think that that, that might be, be a stretch. But the point 50? isn't. <laughs> well, the the point isn't that Josh Daniel or pardon, Brian Dable can turn Daniel Jones into Josh Allen. It's that one of the things he did that really helped Josh Allen, who really struggled with accuracy early on, was getting all of it. And the Bills had very good playmakers, and obviously they traded for Stephon Diggs, getting them open in space so that at, at the beginning, you know, when he wasn't quite as accurate, it wasn't as much of an issue for him. And also kind of cleaning up or making life easier for him from a decision-making decision standpoint. Um, and I think you can see that absolutely helping out Jones as well. Uh, you know, all this is kind of predicated on the offensive line playing better, which I was enthusiastic about head into the season. Um, yeah. Now it's a light. The bar's you know, low, though, so you say better. It's, I mean. Yeah. That was actually the only real take or concern I had. Well, I had two concerns coming out of the preseason game. One was, I think the left guard got hurt, right? Uh, yeah, Lemieux. Shane Lemieux. Yeah, so that, that's mm -hmm. concerning. Evan Neal, a little bit of a rocky start, but, you know, it's preseason week one. Uh, and then the other one was cornerback, which we can talk about. It has nothing to do with Daniel Jones. But, um. Yeah, you know, those I think are, those, that's a problem, that's for sure. I, I would argue that's the biggest problem on this football team. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We can, we, can, we, can, we can make a lot of arguments there in that regard. But, yeah, we'll get to that for a second. But let's continue on in the uh, the Brian Dable helping Daniel Jones for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think – I mean, like, the Giants do have a lot of really fun skill players. Um, I don't think Dable is going to – you know, use, I don't know, 10% the way he did in Buffalo. But I do think he's going to spread it out a bit more and give players like Robinson, ideally Canary Stoney, if we see him, <laughs> um, Saquon Barkley, who I thought really looked really nice, by the way, catching the football um, and, and looked pretty sharp with his route running. You know, just a, an opportunity for get to get them the ball in space. And again, I do think Jones um, can point guard pretty well. So I think... Given the players around him, it's not unreasonable to think this offense is going to look a lot better. Right. So, what? Okay, you're not a full believer in Daniel Jones, obviously, because, like you said, you think he's probably on the lower end of to make a line. Okay, top sixteen or so. Who's above average and average? If you were the Giants, though, and from your perspective, you're building a team. What would it take? Like, what does Daniel Jones need to do? Like, what would he have to do yeah. in order for you to want to commit to him moving forward? I think you'd want to see him. So, you know, statistically, he's probably like in that 25 to 30 range or maybe below 20 by most metrics since he came to the NFL. If you can see him take a leap towards average, I think for the Giants, uh, looking ahead to next season, that shouldn't stop them from pursuing a quarterback, but I also think it wouldn't be too difficult to keep him on their roster and give him another season, potentially as a bridge quarterback, um, provided that he makes some improvements this year. Right. Well, the ironic part, and you say that, is that he threw 24 touchdown passes in his rookie year. Like, he came close to setting the rookie record, and then it's just been reverting backwards every yeah. year since, uh, well, which is kind of strange. To, to go back to your question, I, you know, he actually throws a really nice deep ball. Um, and I think, you know, seeing him generate, continue to generate more explosives would be nice. But obviously this starts first and foremost with ball security. Yeah. If he continues, if he has another season with subpar 
ball security, I actually think you have to move on. I think that's absolutely obviously been his biggest problem as a pro. And if there's no improvement on that front, and a lot of it is on him, not just the offensive line, um, that's when you have to just completely move on. I think he's actually moved. He's actually progressed in that. I think he, he so he started at 1.8 turnovers per game, like two turnovers a game, which is ridiculous, right? He got it down to 1.5, which is still terrible in the second year. And then last year he was down to 0.9, which isn't terrible. That's like sort of like Matt Ryan type range, like a guy who still turns it over, but in a reasonable amount. But it sort of sapped his those big plays you're talking about. Yeah. So I think the fine line is can they make those big plays in Brian Dable's offense, but still keep that turnover number it's down. Just... And I think that's definitely debatable. The turnovers are so brutal. I think that's it. You know, they just look so bad with him sometimes, whether it's, yeah, uh, you know, just not. You know who else used to do that, though, Mina? I mean, that was yeah. Eli's thing. Eli, I, mean, Eli yeah. literally, I, I literally saw him bowl the ball to a defender. I think it was either against San Francisco or Seattle. He literally rolled, just rolled it on the ground to him. Mm. I mean, but he had that side of him. But if you make enough plays, I feel like you could deal with it. For sure. Yeah. But, and I think but the other thing I would also say, uh, Jones needs to stay healthy. The entire season. Um, yeah, that you know, is. You, you never want to blame players for injuries, but he does have a very physical style um, as a rusher. You know, I, I, I alluded to his athleticism. I think he's got really great straight line speed, but he does. He's not elusive, uh, and I think that's why you want to be careful not smashing that designed run button too much. I'm sure Brian Dable won't, um, because he just does get hurt when he's on the move. Yeah, and at the same time, is that they have no? There's no downside. He's not signed past this year, so it's like, hey, why don't we just completely unleash him and use it? And if, do whatever it know, takes. Yeah. If he happens to get hurt, if he can't stay healthy, he proves to us he can't stay healthy again. Like that's, I, I guess it, it kind of allows Brian Dable a little more flexibility in that regard. Um, now you mentioned before you were kind of impressed with Saquon, at least mm-hmm. the way he moved and and the route running caught a, a big third down where, you know worked himself open really pretty good route like a lot of positives to see from him this summer the question i have for you and i really ask it to a lot of people is how realistic do you think it is for him to come back and play at a really high level because it's it's not often especially at this position you have a guy and he plays at a really high level suffers a bunch of injuries two three years and then comes back especially at the running back position Mm. and then spikes back up so how realistic do you think that is? And what do you what do you view that ceiling as? Um, I'm going to give the nerd answer, which is I think it's going to just depend on the blocking. He gets, right. Quite frankly. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, you know, whether or not he looks explosive, getting in abs cuts, all that will matter. And whether or not he can break tackles. I, you know, I got in the fact he looked pretty sharp. But if this offensive line, which has been, you know, atrocious, um, is improved uh, as a run blocking group, and I think they should be, by the way. Um, I think that's going to be their strength, by the way. Their yeah, especially, you know, on the interior, you, you bring in Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, um, Andrew Thomas, by the way, I, I said I was wrong about Daniel Jones. I love the Andrew Thomas pick. I felt really nervous about that for a while, but that one's worked out. Um, I think yeah, that this should be a, a much pretty better. good group. Yeah, so that, you know, we're going to put a lot of it on Saquon and sure, but I think a lot of it will have to do with what's in front of him. Uh, now we'll go to the other side for a second because you mentioned it. Uh, what, what do you think about that secondary? And is the secondary in particular? Because Wink Martindale, that's what he loves to do. He likes to blitz the heck out of a put. I mean, look, every analytic shows he's near the top end of 
pressuring the quarterback. He blitzed in the preseason. I think he's the only defensive coordinator. Yeah, Bill Belichick this. did not like it, by the way. Well, you know, I mean, I, I have no opinion on that, but <laughs> he, he, he is so himself. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. You know, I like Xavier McKinney, um, and I think Adore Jackson is, you know, obviously he's had like a really up and down season. Obviously, um, they really need him to be that number one corner, but this is not For a sure. good secondary by any stretch of the imagination. And so you're really going to be counting on that front whether it's his user Ojulari or Kalen Thibodeau in his rookie year, or Leonard Williams, who's obviously been very good, um, to generate pressure. Now, the level of blitzing, I, I think back to watching the Ravens as their secondary was injured last year. And yep. at times, I thought Wink Martindale was still overly aggressive and put them in some pretty bad situations. I think um, he's going to have to figure out a way to protect these corners because, oof, what's his name, uh, 33? Aaron Robinson, yeah. <sighs> And that the, the problem with that is that it's sort of like an extension of what you see at practice. Like he's super grabby, mm. you know, he, he's not sticky. He, he just can overextend. And yeah. And so that, that certainly, and you, the funny part, you mentioned Wink Martindale. So, you know what his quote was like, what did he learn from last year in Baltimore? It was don't get uh cornerbacks from DoorDash basically. Don't like call DoorDash for cornerbacks. And now he's sitting here again, and the Giants yeah. are going to be picking up cornerbacks like, off the street. You know, they already just waiver claimed a, a cornerback this week. So, wasn't he uh, UCF? Wasn't he supposed to play in the slot per my memory? Or? Yes, that was the original thought that he might be a slot cornerback coming out. But now they have, they just drafted another slot cornerback, Cordell Flott, and they have Darnay Holmes. So, and they're just they don't have anybody else there. I mean, like if you saw the cornerbacks are throwing out there on like the second team, like every yeah. day of practice, you'd be like, I mean, I'm still like, who's 38? Who's 37? Like, who are you know, who are these guys? Yeah. Like Zion Gilbert. You ever hear of Zion Gilbert? I have not heard of him. Yeah, no. I, I didn't. Think not so. gonna lie to you. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's like seven of those guys, and like yeah, that's so it's like Aaron Robinson or bust right now, and yeah. But do you the the pass rush? Yeah, that's what we're banking on, right? That we just mentioned it. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Zizo. Where do you stand on him? First of all, I mean, what, what did you I'm think? I'm a fan about him coming out of the draft. Yeah, I'm a uh, Thibodeau, right? Thibodeau, yeah. Thibodeau, Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Um, ESPN Thibodeau. made me redo a hit because really I called him Thibodeau. By the way, yeah, Thibodeau. It's they like made Tibbs. me re um, record it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I was a huge fan of his coming out of Oregon. I thought the motor stuff was a bit overblown. I mean, I think he has the highest upside of any of the edge rushers taken to the top. Well, I guess Trayvon Walker has, is such an athletic freak. But um, I think, um, you know, he's better against the run than people think as well. Again, just based on the college tape. Um, you know, I, I think he has also more pass rush moves than people think. I, I know he's been criticized sometimes for not having quite a plan in addition to taking plays off. But, um, you know, when, when you watch him in college, so often offenses were just running away from him or trying to, you know, double teaming him. So it was kind of hard to evaluate him. Right. Um, I did keep an eye out for him in the preseason game. You know, obviously I, I, I imagine Giants fans are a little disappointed that he didn't put up any stats, but I thought he looked solid. There was a play he made. It was a tackle and run defense that I thought, um, he showed some pretty nice second effort on getting out of his block. Um, yeah, he actually know, showed it, good motor, right? Which was motor, yeah. And you remember the I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I, I, I like him. I like Ojolari too. I thought he flashed as a rookie. Um, but again, you're you're really counting on two really young edge rushers to, you know, one of the. I, I would say because Williams is pretty consistent and Desha Lawrence also is 
so solid up front. You really only need one of those edge rushers to be the guy this yeah. year. Uh, it would be nice, you know, if it was more than one. But um, I like them both a lot as players. Yeah, the ironic part is so the Giants haven't had – they had one guy have double-digit sacks in like the last – I guess it's seven years. Since JPP? Or- yeah, since JPP, and it's like Marcus Golden. So, like, that just goes to show – Marcus Golden, don't get me wrong. Oh, he's always underrated. Player. Yeah, he always gets. <laughs> he's sacks. always like quietly racking up like eight sacks. But he's like the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate motor guy. Like that's yeah. his thing. So he's not like this super talented guy who just goes like that. They really and to hear about that for the the Giants to be lacking like that's what their, you know, the history of their organization mm-hmm. is built on, and they really just haven't had that guy. So boy, they need one of those two guys to uh, mm-hmm. to pan out in that way. So we'll end on this. Okay, this is going to be completely off the board. I want to know, how do you handle Dan Orlovsky's food takes? Because, I mean, they are completely out of left field and off the board. I don't know how you guys do it and hand here with a straight face when he comes listen, up with these food takes. If it, if I, they are completely out of pocket and usually terrible. But I'll say this: it's a lot easier to work with someone who has bad food takes than bad football takes. So okay. Good I'm okay point. With it. Yeah. Good point. Could, it could be worse. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But no, we appreciate the time. So, me and you are basically <laughs> are on the are on the Daniel Jones bandwagon as much as you can. And by that, we mean like we're at least in the conversation that he could be like a semi-average quarterback and and people that make that so that we're going we're going to we're going to ride it ride it to the end here, which probably is going to come pretty soon. It probably will. So. All right, appreciate your time, Mina. Thank you. Thanks. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S A V E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Thanks to Mina Kimes. You could tell right there. She knows what she's talking about. She's really going and actually even diving into the film of random teams like the Giants. So you have to respect somebody who puts in the work like that. Granted, she didn't remember Aaron Robinson's name, but I wouldn't expect most people to know Aaron Robinson existed. The fact that she knew Aaron Robinson existed and that he was a major problem in that preseason opener that she's talking about, because that interview was taped last week. The reason, the, the, the idea that she knew Aaron Robinson was a concern and a problem means you know what you're talking about with this Giants team, and really the NFL in general, because you're looking at these things. You're looking deep into pretty much every team, which is a tough job if you think about it, going deep into 32 teams, right? That's not an easy job at all to know a good amount about every team. Now, I'm going to tell you we're going to do this. will be a Jordan on the beat segment right here where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, the NFL, or work for ESPN in general. And I'll tell you, it's not easy to be a beat reporter and cover one specific team either because you never know when stuff is going to happen. And this is like a normal thing. So earlier this week, Colin Johnson 
uh, hurts himself. I, you pretty much know based on everything that unfolded that it's probably going to be a torn Achilles. They took a shoe off right away. They were feeling towards the bottom of his left foot. Or is it right foot, I think? Right foot. So you knew. You, you really I, – I, I pretty much knew that it was going to be a torn Achilles. Now you got to wait for testing and stuff. So you think it'll take some time. So I finished working and I started driving home. I figured, you know what, it probably won't come out until later in the evening that he ended up tearing his Achilles. But no, the Giants, you know, send a, a text uh, about, what, 530, 5.30-ish, somewhere around there, and they say he tore his Achilles. So you then have to sense I have to send a, something to the news desk, and they want a story. I have to pull over on the side of the road. I'm in a parking lot. I'm using the hotspot on my phone. And this is what it's like. You never know, and I've done this literally, I can't count how many times, probably like 50 to 100 times, I've been pulled over somewhere, either in a parking lot on the side of the highway, and you're writing a story. Or, you know, I did it on my computer. Sometimes I'll do it on my phone. Like, this is what the job entails. You never know. When, when, you know, the ish is going to go down. You just don't know. So you have to be ready at all times and at all costs and be ready to drop whatever it is you're doing and write a story. Now, the missus doesn't normally like that. Now, granted, I wasn't home yet. I was just driving home. And she didn't even know that I did this. But when it's at home and you have to drop everything, you're in the middle of dinner or in the middle of watching the kids or something like that. Like I remember when Joe Judge was fired, I, I was just like, yo, I got to go. And I just got up and went upstairs and left and disappeared. Like, you got to take care of the kids. I got to run. Like, you never know when these things are going down. That's part of the job of being a beat reporter or a reporter covering a, one of the, a specific team. And you, you're you just on basically 24-7, 365 for that team. If something big happens, you have to be on top of it. But part of the job, you know, there's a lot of perks. That's not one of the perks, but there are a lot of perks. You've heard me say it a gazillion times. I watch football for a living. There are way worse things. And with that being said, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter. I'm available on all those platforms. Find me, send me your notes, send me your questions, and make sure to follow I'm your host, Jordan Ron. On your listen to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.